Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is Cruise Radio. This podcast is brought to you by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get your next quote at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is this is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. Coming up on this week's show, we'll get a review of Norwegian Jim. Sherry Kennedy stops by with Cruise News, and we're going to answer some of your listener questions. And uh, let's see, before we get to Sherry, what else do we have going on? Yes, Cruise Radio News. It's our Facebook group. Come in there and kick around the cruise conversation. We'd love to have you. All right. What's up, Sherry? Hey, Doug. So a big anniversary week for Carnival Cruise Line Senior Cruise Director John Heald. It is. This is the 30-year mark this week that he's been with the company. And, you know, looking back over the years, I probably saw him oh, 22, 23 years ago on the Carnival Imagination. And I don't, so I don't know where the time is gone, but hey, happy anniversary, John. Yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere, didn't he? Like, people loved him. They sailed with him and all this. But then probably, like, what, the mid-2000s, he started that blog, and it just, like, he took the internet by storm with that. Yeah, he became, a, you know, a superstar in his own right. It's kind of interesting. You know, it's it's cool. It's nice to have, you know, he he's like an iconic cruise director, and I think probably raised the bar pretty high for a lot of others. Carnival has set him up when he leaves there. He could probably do a book deal, a web series, or make some serious money. For yeah. sure. I can't tell all books, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, he would. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you know he would if you look at his Facebook posts. Um, <laughs> mo- moving on here, Norwegian Cruise Line. So um, Captain Kirk, William Shatner from Star Trek, says to NCL, save the dolphins. What is this all about? Norwegian Cruise Line is doing their second uh, Star Trek themed cruise called whatever Star Trek the cruise mm-hmm. and uh, last year William Shatner was the host for the event and it seems that like most cruise lines do they offer a dolphin swim encounter excursion right mm-hmm. well he's teamed up with PETA the animal rights group and he has proposed to Norwegian Cruise Line that they discontinue their popular swim with the dolphin shore excursions um, and it's kind of interesting. He wrote a letter to the president of Norwegian Holdings, and he personally requested that Norwegian stop these dolphin encounters. And it, according to him, it violates the prime directive of Star Trek philosophy and what should be a futuristic voyage. And what should be a futuristic voyage will be set back light years, he said. And, you know, you think about it, it you know, it's interesting you know, whether or not you agree or you disagree with the philosophy of doing that. Um, it's interesting that he's taken a stand. But uh, nevertheless, there are going to be two back-to-back Star Trek-themed cruises this January without William Shatner. But Sulu, otherwise known as George Takai, will be the host, and there are Oh, half a dozen or almost a dozen other uh, Star Trek 
celebrities that will be on the cruise, too. Oh, moving on here. Uh, <laughs> Carnival Cruise Lines announced another Carnival Live performance, this time by, um, what do we say, a younger and much hipper star? Uh, yeah, and who he is, I have no clue other than his name is Nick Jonas. Mm-hmm. From the Jonas Brothers. Come on, you know the Jonas Brothers. I remember the Jonas okay. Brothers vaguely, but um, yeah, so he's out on his own, I guess. And he will be appearing on not one, but two ships uh, as part of the Carnival Live concert series. And he's going to be aboard the Carnival Liberty on November 17th. And then he's going to jump ship the next day and uh, go on to the Carnival Victory for another performance on November 18th. Um, as you know, the Carnival, the Carnival Live performances take place while the ship is docked, and in this case, it will be in Nassau. Um, should we go over the ticket prices if anyone's interested? Yeah, totally. Go ahead. Okay. Tickets for the show for Nick Jonas, alias the Jonas Brothers, would be $75 for general admission, which is still less than what you'd pay, uh, you know, in a major theater. And this is a much smaller uh, venue for sure. Um, if you really want to splurge, you can purchase VIP tickets for a measly $250, but that buys you seating in the first few rows, a photo op with Nick Jonas, and a commemorative concert pass. So if you're a Nick Jonas fan, this is perfect. Okay, so I'm really bullish on this Carnival Live thing because, as you know, I, I saw Tim McGraw on board a couple of months ago. And I got to tell you, for for $50, I think Tim McGraw was. I mean, even if you don't have VIP, you're like automatically in the eighth row anyways. And you'd be paying over $100 a ticket if you went and saw Tim McGraw uh, on tour right now. So I just think it's an amazing deal. And 250 to meet Nick Jonas, I think Tim McGraw was like a right around there or a little less than that. But still, that is one heck of a deal. It's awesome. You know, and we saw, what did we see? Martina mm-hmm. McBride yeah. way back when. We did. And yeah, the, the, you're in such an intimate setting. And, and even if you don't get the VIP tickets, you're, you're almost, you know, you could reach out and touch practically. You sure could. Switching gear is Royal Caribbean. Uh, cruise price is going to be on the rise. Good for stockholders, bad for consumers. You want to talk to me about prices for Royal Caribbean cruises and booking ahead and booking late. I have a whole nother spiel about that, but... Royal Caribbean is actually, you know, they're coming out with what they're doing, which is kind of interesting. Um, And they've had such a fantastic year. They're going to raise the prices just to discourage sales, which is kind of goofy when you think about it. But the bottom line is, if you want to get a good deal, you, you know, you just don't really know when they're going to mark up the prices. I still tell people, book as far out as you can. And Royal Caribbean is going to, you know, put the kibosh on that if they can, because, if, if the inventory sells far into the future, which is usually about 18 months before the actual sailing, mm-hmm. if you buy then, you know, you will get a really good price, but it will, it, Royal Caribbean then won't be able to take that inventory and mark it up for sale later on. So, you know, don't wait to the last minute to get a good deal. Get it up front first, book sooner than later, and you'll get a better deal. So is it true, Sherry, if you were to book 18 months out, like the day the the sailing goes on sale, 18 months from now, you would get a better deal than if you waited a year later to book that same ship? I don't do it anymore, but you know, after 25 years as a travel agency owner, I would grab space 18 months out. As soon as Royal Caribbean announced their new deployment, mm-hmm. I would just get group space, and it would be rock bottom. And then you would, you know, you can just watch it as you get closer and closer to sailing date as, you know, space becomes less available, price goes up. And that's nothing new, but 
you know, 10 years ago, people would wait for this 90-day, 60-day, 30-day drop and get a really great price. And that's just not happening anymore. They're not discounting it, and they're still selling it. Cool news for celebrity cruises in the Galapagos. This is really wonderful. You know, for the first time in cruise industry history, a female captain will be sailing through the Galapagos Islands. And her name is Natalie Alban, and she's a native of Ecuador, and she is going to take command of the celebrity exploration, the expedition ship that they have. She has had a total of 12 years' experience sailing around the Galapagos. She's worked on several ships in the region, and in 2006, she finally joined the celebrity family as third officer aboard the exploration. Hmm. So, uh, the, you know, the company is really advancing women in leadership roles, and uh, they've also, a, a while back, Celebrity Summit has Captain Kate McHugh. Yeah. You can always follow This is interesting. Kate McHugh has a great Instagram page, so you can follow her there, too, if you want to. But um, getting back to Natalie, um, she was only one of six women in her graduating class at the National Merchant Marine School in Ecuador. So, you know, there's still a ways to go. But, you know, bravo, Natalie. Um, she's starting the exploration this month. Got two listener questions here, Sherry. Are you up for them? Let her rip. All right. The first one's from Thomas. He says, what's the difference between booking a stateroom on the port side or the starboard side? Well, you know, to you and I, that it sounds like a silly question, or you and me, rather. But nevertheless... Port is on the left and starboard is on the right. So it depends where you're going. Yeah. Um, sometimes, for example, um, here's where the difference, you can really see it. Um, if you're doing a transatlantic, say from New York to Southampton, I do that on, you know, on Cunard, mm-hmm. the sun will be setting behind you. But if you want some warmth on your balcony or light into your stateroom, book a starboard side stateroom because the light will be coming in. If you're on the north side on a transatlantic, it's going to be kind of dark and gloomy, unless, of course, you have an inside, in which case it doesn't matter at all. But um, And then, you know, people say, well, for Alaska, you always want to be on the side where the land is going to be. But, you know, the ships do 360s in, in the, where the glaciers are and in the bays and the fjords. So it's not so... Uh, yeah, important, I think, right? You've done this a million no, times. No, and, and I was going to say, if you're confused between port and starboard, especially like in the Alaska area, just book an aft-facing balcony. You get the best <laughs> of both worlds and your own little privacy back there. Um, but in Alaska, like you were saying, yeah, if you're leaving Seattle or Vancouver heading northbound, you're going to get more of a land view if you're on the starboard side or the right side, more of a scenic view on the left side or port side, but it'll, it'll switch when you come back down. But I guess it's a matter of choice. I mean, the staterooms pretty much mirror each other, don't they? They do. They're exactly the same. And, you know, one place I have, I've started taking note, just because this question always comes up in my brain, you know, when I book my own travel. And I've noticed in Europe, um, more times than not, the ship will dock on the port side mm-hmm. of the pier. So if you'd like to look at the city and the town or even the industrial area, um, I think in Europe it's more prevalent where they where port actually is port rather than starboard. Our next question here is from Carter. I have a question about NCL's bidding for an upgrade feature they released in January. We are doing a 14-night transatlantic on Norwegian Getaway and just got the bid on an upgrade email. I was wondering, does this happen often? And then he goes on to say, we are currently booked in a balcony for $3,300 and we want to go to the Haven. So I bid an extra $1,000. Do you think that is a fair price to get upgraded? 
Yeah, I think it's a pretty good price to get upgraded. Haven is so exclusive, and the prices are really high, especially on a 14-night transatlantic. And I, I think you, uh, he might be going from Copenhagen he across. Is. Correct. Yep. So right now he's paid 3300 for a balcony. So that's what, like um, 1650 per person. Mm-hmm. So add another 500, make it 21 or so per person to be in the Haven for 14 nights. If you do the math, I think it's a great – if they accept that price, I think that would be a wonderful addition. And for the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, um, earlier this year, NCL released a bidding for an upgrade system. So pretty much there's no more free upgrades on NCL. Once you get closer to the sailing and those rooms aren't selling, you're going to get an email from the cruise line saying – hey, would you like to bid on an upgrade? And it's kind of like Priceline, where they give you a scale mm-hmm. saying, if you bid 100 you might not get it. If you bid 250 there's a good chance. And 500 there's an amazing chance. So yeah, smart for the cruise line, because they're making money on this. People are actually paying for upgrades now instead of getting them free. They are. And, and I was reading the terms and conditions, and I, it was interesting because it said... Um, not everybody will get the invitation to bid on it. So I don't know what the criteria is that they're looking for to send a guest an invitation, or maybe they're just saying that to create, you know, the, um, the feeling that it's really important. But it'd be interesting to see or find out who has not received an upgrade bid. I kind of think they're sending them out more than they're leading us to believe because everyone I've talked to, including myself, who is sailing on Norwegian Cruise Line has received one of these. I think so, too. It'll probably be across the board eventually. But um, it was just interesting that they said it's by invitation only. So, hmm, you know, create uh, create the need yeah. and uh, see what happens. Send us your listener questions, Doug at CruiseRadio.net, D-O-U-G at CruiseRadio.net. Talking to Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Want more Cruise Radio? Find a library of over 400 episodes on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. So Craig just returned from a 10-night Eastern Caribbean sailing aboard Norwegian Cruise Lines, Norwegian Gem, based out of New York City. He's on the line this evening. Hey, Craig. Hey, Doug. 
So, uh, yeah, excited to hear all about this ship because I'm sailing it next year. So before we get to the ship, I want to take a step back. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. Why do you want to sail this 10-nighter out of New York on GEM? Well, we live in New Jersey, so obviously it's a very convenient port for us. And this was our first time cruising with a multi-generational group. So we had my parents, grandma and grandpa, and my wife and myself, our 11-year-old daughter, 8-year-old son, and then my sister, along with her 4-year-old daughter. So we had a, a nice family group going together, and not having to fly was a huge bonus. My parents are platinum on Norwegian, and so they've been on the gym before and loved it. So we were very excited to try it out with them. You're in Jersey. Do you drive there and pay that 40 bucks a day to park? No, we actually got a van service to pick us up at my parents' house and take us all there, drop us off, and then be waiting there when we got back. Cool. So you make your way to the Manhattan Cruise Terminal. Uh, how was the embarkation process for you? Organized mayhem. It was fine. I mean, it was, uh, it was a little challenging, um, more challenging just because of having little kids in line yeah. who don't like to wait. But once we got through, we got priority boarding because we were with my parents who were platinum. They let us on with them. We were through there in, in fairly short order. I will say, though, make sure if you're traveling as a single parent that you have your paperwork in order because we almost had an issue with that with my sister and her daughter. We did end up getting on the ship, but uh, it could have been a problem if we didn't have everything in order. How long did it take to get from pier to the ship? With a slight delay for paperwork, we were probably in and out in about 45 minutes. Okay. So you make your way on board. You cross the gangway. What were your first impressions of Norwegian Gem? It was beautiful. It had been refurbished back in 2015, so it had been updated. A lot of the carpeting and fixtures were updated, and it was just a beautiful ship. We actually boarded and went right back to the main dining room to grab lunch. That's one of my mom's kind of secret little hints that she has. <laughs> Rather than going to buffet, she goes right to the main dining room and sits down for lunch. Awesome. How was the food there? It was great, and it got better as the cruise went on as well, to the point where, like, the last day, we, they had suckling pig on the buffet oh, wow. the last day. We, we couldn't, <laughs> couldn't figure out what they were going to do next. <laughs> nice. So we'll get to the other dining in just a couple of minutes here, but let's talk about your stateroom real quick. Uh, what kind of stateroom did you book on this sailing, and what did you think of it? We had a mini suite with balcony uh, midship, and it was very nice. The room itself had the double bed and then a pull-out couch for our two kids, which worked out okay. In the past, we've sailed and had Pullmans, which were kind of like bunk beds, but this time they managed to sleep next to each other. But it worked out fine. The balcony was actually huge. It was deep. It was wide. Um, it was one of the you know, biggest balconies we've ever had. So very comfortable room. Absolutely great. So you have two kids and you had the two Pullmans. You didn't find like uh, it was too cramped for you? Because I, don't, I know Norwegian isn't known for having the largest staterooms. It wasn't overly spacious, but mm. it was fine. We managed to get all our suitcases kind of tucked under bed sure. and unpacked everything and, and tried to stay as efficient as possible. And here's a tip that I got from somebody on some message board or something. Buy very strong magnetic hooks mm -hmm. because the walls and doors are all made of metal yeah. in cruise cabins. And you can hook these magnets to the walls and then use it to hang hats and your lanyards and all sorts of stuff. So it keeps the clutter to a minimum on the desks. And that actually proved to be really helpful for us to keep the room organized with four people in there. Awesome. Let's talk about dining. Uh, what did you think of the dining? We were chatting before the interview and you had a, what do they call it, a dining package? Yep. Yeah. How was that for you? Included with our cruise, we had the unlimited drink package and also four nights of specialty dining. So 
just starting with the, the main dining room was very good. Uh, we've been on Norwegian once before and, and kind of knew what to expect. And it was very good main dining room food if you've been on Norwegian or any other kind of mainstream line. The buffet actually really impressed us with the selection, the quality of the foods that they had. And again, it just got better and better throughout the cruise. In terms of specialty restaurants, we did four different specialty restaurants. So we uh, started with my least favorite actually was Cagney Steakhouse. And I don't know if we hit it on an off night or not, but it was okay. It wasn't great. We ate at the Carnival Steakhouse before and we, we were wowed by that. So we're a little bit disappointed with our experience at Cagney's, but maybe that was just an off day. We also went to Le Bistro, which is the French restaurant. Went there for my mom's birthday. Fantastic. Great, you know, rich French food. So what's not to like? Sure. Moderno is the Brazilian barbecue where they come around with the skewers of meat and kind of shave it off onto your plate. Phenomenal. And interestingly, you know, they have this kind of like appetizer salad bar there, mm -hmm. which is almost better than the meat. I mean, it's just incredible. So that we would definitely do again. And funny enough, our favorite specialty restaurant was the Italian restaurant, La Cucina, which I didn't think I would really care for that much because we live in the New York area and we have great Italian food here all the time. Mm -hmm. But it was really phenomenal. Everything we had, I had the veal asabuco over risotto and you know beef carpaccio appetizer, just everything we have is absolutely terrific. So that, that turned out to be a surprise hit for us. Let's switch gears here and talk about the entertainment on board. What did you think of it? It was great what we did. We went to a uh, the, the comedian in the main theater, saw that show, very, very funny. We didn't do any, uh, any other shows, per se, around the ship, but they had tons of like live music up on the pool deck, the piano bar, just everywhere. It was you know, always something going on and, and always you know, a lot of live music, which was really nice, uh, kept you entertained. As far as music around the ship, what did you think? It was great. I mean, Piano Bar, again, the guy was terrific and kept everybody engaged for, you know, hours into the night. And just sitting up on the pool deck and having that kind of live band made a big difference rather than just piping in some sort of soundtrack. It was really nice to have the live band there playing you know, like Caribbean music and, and kind of pool deck music. Did any theater shows wow you? We didn't see the theater shows. No. So we only did a comedian. Cool. Well, we saw him around... A couple times, you know, a very friendly guy. Tim Kaminsky is his name. He was, he was fantastic. So this was a 10-night trip out of New York City. Um, how were the crowds and congestion on the sea days? One of the things we had heard about the Norwegian Gem is that because it's a mid-sized ship, it never feels too crowded. That was absolutely true. The ship was awesome. There was really no issue with finding a seat by the pool, with finding a table, by the buffet, you know, except at the very, very peak hours. I was very impressed that even like in the area they call Bar City, which has like all the bars kind of next to each other where the piano bar is and, and all the music. And, you know, you could always just find a seat when you wanted to have a drink. So even though it was, it was supposedly a full sailing, we really had no issue with overcrowding. It was a great ship, the great flow. So, uh, yeah, everything that I've heard about that ship is, is true. How about the dining venues on the sea days? How were those? Fine. Again, you know, the buffet, when it, when it you know, at peak, peak times, gets busy. Mm -hmm. um, but they've got a phenomenal area on the jewel-class ships called the Great Outdoors, which is all the way in the aft of the ship, if you walk through the buffet, all the way to the back. It is open air to the sea. It's covered. Um, they actually have their own buffet stations out there. And there's tons of tables where you can just sit out and look at the ocean. 
And, you know, that's probably one of my favorite things about the ship was that you felt connected to the sea, no matter where you went, mm-hmm. um, you know, you could see the ocean and all these kind of open outdoor spaces that connected to the ocean just really made you feel like you were at sea rather than in a hotel somewhere. So um, that was great. And during sea days and during peak times, generally you could always find a seat in the great outdoors. So, you know, during the warmer weather days, that was awesome. Awesome. Uh, before we get to the ports, did your kids do the kids club at all? And what they think of it? Yeah, they did. Um, they loved it. So my four-year-old niece loved it, had a great time. My kids who are 11 and eight also enjoyed it very, very much. My son, especially, you know, they met little friends in there. They met these two kids from Canada who they became very, very friendly with. So it was a great experience. The counselors were awesome and, and, you know, got to know the kids and, and it was just very warm, very friendly. And they were always, you know, maybe they weren't thrilled to go, but they were always sad to leave. Put awesome. it that way. Very cool. So on this 10 night sailing, uh, what ports did you hit and which one was your favorite? So we hit San Juan, Puerto Rico, St. Thomas, St. Martin and Tortola, British Virgin Islands. So going in, my number one pick would have been St. Martin because on my bucket list forever has been to go to Maho Beach and watch the planes come in right over the beach. And we did that. And I'm, you know, very excited that I crossed it off my list. That was incredible. And, you know, if you're into planes at all, go there. It, it definitely is everything they advertise. But I will tell you, actually, my favorite port was San Juan, which I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. But we had such a great time in San Juan. We took an excursion through the cruise line that did a historic walk through the old city, and then took us to a restaurant where there was a chef that taught us how to prepare mafango, which is a traditional dish, and mojitos, which is a traditional drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just such a blast. We had such a good time. Everybody we met in San Juan was just so warm, so friendly, really made us want to go back and spend more time in Puerto Rico. And, and just the beauty of the old city is just, it was surprising to me how, how much I loved it. I got to say San Juan, surprisingly, was, was my favorite. Awesome. So uh, you make your way back to New York City, to cold New York City, this go-around. Um, how was the disembarkation process for you? Disembarkation was fine. We Again, we were priority for tagging along with my parents, so we got right off the ship. And once you went down into the um, terminal, you know, baggage was a little bit hairy where you had to go kind of search through a few hundred bags to find yours. Mm-hmm. But once we had that all loaded up, and, you know, right through customs and right out to the curb, no problem. Awesome. Uh, any first-time tips for folks sailing Norwegian gym? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a couple spaces that you absolutely need to check out on the gym. Number one is the Spinnaker Lounge, which is all the way at the top in the front, because you get this amazing panorama view of the ocean, of the bow of the ship, and there's actually even these little wings that go out over the side where you kind of really have a view all down the side of the ship. Great place to sit during the day or you know, have a cup of coffee in the morning before it gets busy awesome space. Secondly, the great outdoors all the way in the back by the buffet. That's where they also do like the late night buffet out there. Just amazing to be out in the open, you know, on the sea and and sitting down enjoying good food. And the other one that I noticed, I learned is that the promenade deck on deck seven actually goes all the way around the ship. So you can walk a complete circle, 360 degrees, you know, around the front, around the back. So that's just a very unique space. It's not ever very crowded on that deck. So that would be something I would definitely check out. Cool. Over your 10-night sailing, what was the biggest highlight for you? I would say that the ship itself, just how, how uncrowded it felt, how connected to the sea it felt. 
just how much in love with that ship we fell. My wife and I just, you know, by the time we were, you know, it was time to get off, we felt like we were home on that ship and really didn't want to get off. Oh, and I have to say, the other highlight was we saw the Super Bowl at nice. sea, which was such a cool experience. They had, you know, big screens going in the bars and in the Spinnaker Lounge. And, you know, my sister was a rabid Patriots fan, so obviously for her that was great. And there were tons of, of fans of both teams on the ship, and everybody was you know, in great spirits and, you know, friendly competition. There was no problems or anything like that. But it was just a really cool thing to see such an amazing Super Bowl game on the ocean and, you know, have that memory forever. It's going to be amazing to think back. Hey, I'm just curious. Do they do uh, betting or wagering in the casino during Super Bowl? That is a good question. I'm not much of a casino person, okay. so I don't know. Yeah. See, I'm not either, really. So, Craig, before we go here, you've given us a lot of thoughts of Jim, but give me your final thoughts of her. If you have a chance to sail Jem, do it. She is smaller and, you know, with less bells and whistles than Breakaway with her, her sister up in New York. But what a warm, wonderful crew, a warm, wonderful ship. And um, I know she's only going to be in New York for another year or so. So if you have a chance to do it, definitely do it. We really enjoyed it a lot more than we thought we were going to and would definitely go back on Jem. We've been talking with Craig. Him and his family just returned from a 10-night Eastern Caribbean sailing aboard Norwegian Jim out of New York City. Craig, thanks for sharing your experience and being on the show tonight, buddy. Thanks, Doug. Take care. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.